Canucks Central Tuesday. We are in the Kintec studio at Rogers Arena. Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. We come to you courtesy of Grip Auto and Tire. Quality service you can trust and 14 locations to serve you. Yes, the Canucks getting ready for the New Jersey Devils as we await the Battle of the Brothers Hughes at Rogers Arena tonight. Uh, I am excited to watch this Devils team and uh, reverse retro night as well. So uh, we'll chat about that more coming up uh, during pregame and a bit later on the show. But Yeah, the yeah. Devils are like the greatest team ever assembled. Did you hear? I, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard they're supposed to win multiple Stanley Cups in one year. Yes. Uh, they, they do look pretty dangerous, so it should be a difficult one for the Canucks as they look for a third straight victory. We'll get more into it as we get closer to puck drop. But as we know, the Canucks uh, wheeling and dealing last week sat. You know, they make the, the couple of trades with uh, Boston and Carolina, respectively, acquiring Jack Studnika, Ethan Bear, and... Uh, uh, Shout to Lane Peterson as well, who gets uh, left out of the conversation sometimes. But uh, those were the three players they acquired in that in those trades. But you know, this is still a roster in flux, right? Uh, Jim Rutherford has said it. Patrick has said it. You know, we are still in a building phase of this roster. They've talked about wanting to switch out some of the pieces and uh, make it more efficient in different ways. So. When we are looking for trade partners for the Vancouver Canucks, it has to be, and anytime you're looking at an NHL trade right now in a capped-out league, you're looking at moves that are very much about money in, money out. The good old, by definition, in the dictionary, hockey trade. Yeah, and you know we laugh about that definition, and we joked about it with Frank Cervalli when we brought up the hockey trade Isn't notion. every trade a hockey trade? Yeah, and... Yes. and, and it comes down to the connotation. Yes. The connotation of, of a hockey trade is that you're trading for a, a player who's in the NHL on a contract for another player in the NHL on a contract yes. that has some substantial money and term or whatever and is a substantial type of player, a guy who can make a type of impact. That's what we refer to as, as a hockey trade. And, you know, for all the talk about a rebuild, you kind of mentioned that the word that they keep mentioning, Rutherford, and Alvin is building. We're, we keep trying to build. We keep looking to add. And it's not necessarily just about adding on to it, but they're looking to make the team better. It's not just about assembling draft picks. And if we're looking at, say, teams potentially that could partner with the Canucks, I think no better place to start than the New York Islanders, who were referenced by Elliot Friedman as a team that is kind of lurking around Vancouver for the time being. And the Canucks have already shown a willingness to make trades. They want to do other things. And it's not necessarily about going and subtracting big players and selling. It's about do you make a swap somewhere for a guy on the fringes potentially? Or are we talking about something more substantial? Because they're definitely exploring those possibilities. You know, there's there's different ways to, to think about this and look at this. It's, uh, you know... It, it sort of comes down to which pieces are you willing to stick with and which ones are more expendable. And I think you can have a lot of different debates about that with this Canucks team. Obviously, the big one right now that has more of a pressing future than others is Bo Horvat, the captain. And that's a more difficult trade to make, I would think, because he is such a big part of this team. But I, I look for teams that are sort of having their own troubles right now or have glaring needs on their roster that they might be looking to 
swap out an area of surplus to potentially fill in the void on another area of their roster. Mm -hmm. So those are the types of things I think you might look for when trying to make a quote unquote hockey trade. And if it, if it's the Canucks that are doing that, you know, do these have to be almost multi-layered where you're moving out of players so that you can gain some cap space and then be able to potentially go out and acquire another one? Or is it just, hey, here's a quick swap sort of thing? It's There's a lot of ways to go about doing this. Yeah, and they've already shown that they can do what you talked about. Look at the Travis Hamnick deal last year. Move him yes. out, open up space, and you went out and, and acquired Travis Durbin. So they've shown that being a possibility. It's harder right now to do that because, I mean, who's a, who's a candidate on this team right now, save Bull Horvat, that you can actually move the way you move Travis Hamannick? And even that way, I mean, to a contender, you can't even move Bo without yeah. taking something back because all the teams are capped out. They have to send you something back the other way. That's just the reality. So I think that, as much as that possibility exists, it just seems a little less likely because how many partners do you have where you can make that type of a swap? You're kind of kind of stuck in a spot where you have to move money in and money out. And I find the Islanders to be interesting. We can kind of work through the teams yes. that are kind of out there because they keep being mentioned. And if you look at the way they're constructed, they're also, they, not also, because the Canucks' average age is actually quite much, uh, quite a bit younger than the New York Islanders, who are uh, their forwards are averaging over 30 years of age. So they don't look hey, like a little Amarello loves himself a good veteran. Hey, all right? he, he's shown it uh, many a times, right? <laughs> but do they have a contract on the back end that they would like to swap out when they look at what they have with Alex, uh, Romanov and Noah Dobson already? So I, I think the you know they sort of plan or. Uh, is probably to build around those two guys, right? And to hope for the long-term future. I, I just, I don't know if moving on from Ryan Pulak or Adam Pellick makes all that much sense for those teams. I no. mean, even though they're 28, they're both under really friendly contracts for what they provide. Yeah, so I mean, I look at it, and as much as you'd love to see a swap, maybe, if you look at, they're a team, I believe, would have a level of interest in a player like Tyler Myers, and have had interest in a player like him in the past. So yeah. I could see them having interest, but does it really fit for them to take that on and move off one of those two players? The only way they would do that is if they feel really good about having Romanov and Noah Dobson playing on the right side. Yeah. And maybe they look at Pulak and say, he's expendable, and what else can we do here to move that off and have some long-term flexibility making that type of a swap. But that seems unlikely. The name we talked about yesterday, and I kind of wonder about it, and he's off to a good start, really, is Anthony Beauvillier. Good player. He's a good player, brings a lot of speed. That's the guy I would look at. If the Islanders are interested in any which way, that's the player. I don't like the idea of him being the centerpiece in a trade for, say, J.T. Miller or even Bo Horvat. But if you're looking at making a type of a swap or making some type of a move, he's the only forward, really, that I would be interested in doing something with. It is interesting on the Beauvillier front because his name has been around for a while now, uh, even going back to last spring and even into the draft. There was a lot of consideration and it was a bit of a surprise I think he was sitting at the Islanders table at the draft um, knowing that was sort of interesting with all the rumors going around between the Canucks and Islanders back then what I what I wonder about is okay so what what would that sort of deal 
look like from I, a Canucks perspective? I think it would have to be something. You know, are talk, they are they giving up the more expensive player in Brock Besser and that's that's essentially what you're looking at. Yeah, it's and that's that how you open up two million of cap space essentially. Maybe it, even uh, actually a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's it's either him if you're looking at or if you're looking at even Connor Garland. Right. You know, now I'm not sure Garland profiles as a Lamorello type of player or that's the type of swap he'd be looking to make. But if you're looking at making a type of a swap that gives you a bit of flexibility but changes things up a little bit, that could be it. But it's not really exciting. It's not tantalizing no. in any, any, any which way if you're looking at moving those types of players. And it underscores the situation the Canucks find themselves in. Because if you are looking to move, say, a Brock Besser, and people are texting in all the time saying he's overrated, he's the guy that should be going, what's, what value are you getting to move him? What did Oliver Bjorkstrand get back in return? Do you get the same even? Yeah. Maybe even less. Are we talking about a third-round pick? Are we talking about, you know, anything I, I less think than it, that? You know, it, it would all sort of depend on what kind of money you're taking back. And that's more of a, I think that's more of an off-season thing. Maybe yeah. you can take an expiring contract off somebody's hands and move that and get something a little extra back in return. But then money comes off the books. In the off-season, you can maybe make a Bjorkstrand, Bjorkstrand type of trade. But does the team view it and say, are we better off getting a player back in return who can help us? and maybe give us a, a bit of a different type of a look for our team. So the team I've, uh, I've kind of looked at for a while is, uh, is the Minnesota Wild sat. Now, the Wild are really in an interesting spot. They are definitely a win-now team. They have a lot of dead money that they're dealing with. They might be in a unique situation where they are looking for rental types, and... I think this is something that would play out more as the season goes on, probably as you get closer to the deadline. The Wild are actually one of the very few teams in the NHL that have yeah. cap space amortizing as the season goes on and expanding as the season goes on. And they have a glaring need at center. So if there does come a time where you realize as the Canucks, a new contract with Bo Horvat is not going to work out, I would circle the Wild as a team that would have a ton of interest in acquiring Bo Horvat as a rental should the Canucks have to go down that path. Yeah, and it depends on what Vancouver is looking for, and they have the prospects. I don't think they want to be moving a guy like Kalen Addison, but obviously that's who Vancouver would be looking at, a right-hand defenseman, a lot of talent. I doubt that's who they look to move. If you're looking, he, honestly... like He's another one of those guys, though... Like defensively, even when when the Canucks played the Wilds a couple of weeks ago, I was like, he has some problems. I still st I still don't know. Like he's a good puck mover and can play on the power play one as he has been with Minnesota this year. But I, I don't know. I'm not as in love with uh, with Kalen Addison as as others seem to be. Yeah, and that's I, I think defensively you have some concerns. I, and I worry about the fit overall. Yeah, you know, with what you're looking to have, and when you have Quinn Hughes already and everything like that, and. So you kind of look at that and you kind of wonder, is that really who Vancouver would want to begin with? But the other side of it, too, though, the thing I wouldn't be against doing would be having the Dumba for Horvat type of a swap. Interesting. And then you, both guys UFAs, but you, if you're looking to sign somebody to a big contract, yeah. right-hand defenseman fills a lot of needs for you. I'd like to get more than just that, but if you look at the value of right-hand defensemen, if you look at the value of centers and... They're pretty similar. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Minnesota will look at that and think that's a fair swap, for instance. Make room may look at it and say, well, we may want more, for instance. But if that's what you're looking at, Dumba's a guy I wouldn't be against necessarily. And I think from an organizational standpoint, if you're looking to not take a massive step back, that's the type of swap that would 
shift one need to another. Now, it doesn't solve your center issue long term, obviously, but it does maybe give you for the next, say, five or six years, especially if you expend, extend a guy like Matt Dumba, he'd give you a cornerstone defenseman on the right side. That could be a, a really interesting partner for Quinn Hughes, so not uh, def definitely one you could look at. John in Calgary, Bo Horvat is a top 10 two-way forward in the league. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Sid the other night and won. We can't find that on the open market. No way you can trade him. Sign him. Uh, it yeah, and it comes down, I mean, hey, it comes down to the valuation. What, yes. You know, and right now the Canucks and Bo Horvat side, are not close valuation-wise. We're going to talk more about this with uh, with Earth coming up later on uh, later on this hour on the show. Another team that um, is in a super interesting spot right now is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sat and uh, there's always been a uh, trade hypothesis between Vancouver and Toronto. We go back to the days of Chris Tanev for for William Nylander or whatever it may have been. But it's, it's pretty clear the Leafs right now are, um, I mean, if I were Kyle Dubas, I would be in the market of looking to do something. Although they look like a team that maybe needs help on defense as well as help through the middle of the ice. Yeah, I mean, they need help pretty much everywhere. And yeah. If you look at a lot Their of bottom them, six is atrocious right now. It is. I mean, they have a lot of issues there. They have guys that can look at a long term that you have a lot of faith in. But even, even a guy like Kent Johnson, for instance, yeah. Is he a center or is he going to be a winger? Oh, on the on the Blue Jackets, like Kent Johnson, I, uh, I I I think he probably profiles as a winger more as his career goes on. Potentially, right? Yeah. Depends on you know how he gets used, but he's no he's no slam dunk. I think Cole Sillinger obviously is a guy they feel like they can build around. Right now, Boone Jenner gives you a little bit of something, and you know uh, even Jack Roslovich can can tide you over. But long term, it's something. Now the problem here is. If you're looking at it from the big player's point of view, I don't see Bo being a fit because I don't see him signing there. You know what I mean? I don't see that right. being a place where he would stay. If you're looking at it from Connor Garland or Brock Besser again, that type of a swap, they do have some interesting players you might be interested in, in doing something with. They are so desperate down the middle, though. And I don't know if there is a fit there. Yeah. You know? I think on the wings you might be looking at doing something, but... The, the problem is they have a lot of older guys. The guys you'd want to do something with is probably somebody they wouldn't want to do something with with, with swap-wise, for instance. So there's the Blue Jackets. Uh, what do you think about the Leafs as a potential trade partner? I, I think they're I think they're really I think they're really interesting yeah. um, because they have a few different things they can go about it. Yeah. They have a different, few different ways they can go about it. The first one being if you're looking at them clearing some money out, they have guys like Engvall, they have guys like Kerfoot, who I, don't, I wonder how they fit in for the playoffs. They have to move salary out to make something happen. If you're Vancouver, for instance, would you be interested in moving, say, Pearson, taking on a little bit of salary, taking those players on for the rest of this year? You're not getting any value, but you're getting the money off the books, for instance. That way a team like the Leafs would get a couple million in cap space. They get a guy like Pearson to help them out, and they can maybe do something with that. So... I think it. this sort of thing sort of depends on where the Canucks find themselves later on in the season. But to me, an expiring contract does have a lot of value. Uh, or at least it should have value for not just the Canucks, but almost any team in the league that is looking to 
gain flexibility down the line in order to do other things. And I think that's exactly where the Canucks are. They really work as make weights. Obviously, we know how that worked with Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson in the OEL trade last summer for the Vancouver Canucks. This is a popular thing, or it's a, ne- a necessity in NBA trades where the money has to match up uh, almost identically. So the, the idea of taking on an expiring contract is one I, I am totally okay with. It Even if that player ends up walking in the future, it's like, okay, well... I've now got, let's say it's Kerfoot. Now I've got three and a half million extra to play with next next offseason. Yeah, and if you're if you're looking at giving yourself flexibility, but also staying competitive the rest of the season, yes. you can do that. I mean, the other thing, obviously, and I see people texting in here as well and being like, um, "How about you hold on to everything and then sell the deadline?" I think that's also something you could do instead of making those moves now. You can just kind of hold firm, and if it looks like you're out of the race. Then you can go and you know sell some of these guys off that are expiring and just take some futures back, take on an expiring, and then you yep. move on with the deal. But if you're actually looking to shake things up as the season goes on, those possibilities won't exist until you get to the trade deadline. It, it, you have to get closer uh, to the end of the season uh, and to the deadline in order for those deals to start shaping up. Canucks don't have a ton of those types of contracts. Obviously, Horvat is the biggest one. Uh, Burroughs, uh, who we're going to talk about more coming up, is is an interesting one as a UFA. And obviously, Luke Shen had value last year at the deadline. And the way he's played this yeah. year, I imagine he would still have uh, maybe even more value, Sat. Yeah, no, 100%. And if I'm looking at one team, though, that would have the most motivation quietly to push for a player like Bo, it would be the Blues. Yeah. I think Doug Armstrong loves Bo Horvat. And Bo feels like a St. Louis Blues kind of player. Yeah, I think Doug Armstrong would, would love to make that type of a swap. And we mentioned like the Dumba thing. I could see Vancouver doing it. And like I mentioned, if that's what you're doing, I'd like to get something more in return too, not just make that straight swap one yeah. for one. But I wonder how Minnesota will view that type of a deal. Can you get a first in that? And then they keep Bo. You can sign Dumba to a team-friendly contract. Or I wonder I, – one thing I will bring up too, I do think Brock Bestro on Minnesota – I don't think they hate Brock Besser. I know they're looking for centers, ideally, but I think Besser's always been a guy they've always thought highly of. Interesting. And one of the guys that drafted him is the scouting director there too. Yes. Here, so I think that's a that's a name you can't you can't dismiss just in Minnesota. Just just a circle back. Yeah. But as far as the Blues, I think that's a team that would be super motivated if they could get Bo. Now the question is. What would Bo want to sign? Is that a place you would want to sign a contract with? But if you're looking at a team that would be very motivated to do it, that would be a team I, I would keep in mind. And I wouldn't be surprised as the season goes on, you hear them link to having some interest with a guy like Bo. I would wonder if they see Bo as sort of a Ryan O'Reilly replacement. The way their season is going and the way they kind of are are wondering which way to go with some of their key guys, maybe they need to. They feel like they should move on from Ryan O'Reilly. You trade him, and then you make a swap and try to get somebody else to replace that long term. They have other options. I mean, if they like Barbashev down in the middle, they can do that. But they look like a team that wants a a certain type of center. And the way Doug Armstrong's, don't forget, you know, Bo was on the Team Canada radar. Yeah, the guy running Team Canada, Doug Armstrong. Doug Armstrong. So. You know, keep that in mind. I think if you're looking at an organization and a GM that would value him more than others would, or would have a 
real high opinion of him, I think that's a guy to really keep in mind. So, all this talk about Horvat, you know, it, it's not going to go away, Sat. You know, unfortunately for Bo, that's uh, sort of the reality here as we look at some of these trade partners. And we still, even though the Canucks have won two in a row, there is still very much a where-do-they-go-from-here type mm-hmm. of big wonder beyond uh, this season, and that contract is now at the forefront of those conversations. He's, he's on pace for 55 goals this yeah. year. You know? he's, having a, he's having a big start to the season. He's looked, you know, continued to look dynamic offensively and even more of a threat as a shooter in the early going here. Yeah, and, you know, I know there's been some uh, reporting on the fact that he's got a new stick now, and he, that's something he hasn't had in a long time. That's really affecting, impacting how the how the puck is coming off his stick, and you bake that into how he's playing and how what that can mean to his season. Goal scorers get paid. Yes. Goal scorers get paid, you know, and the biggest trouble teams run into is overpaying some goal scorers every once in a while. You look at the Jeff Skinner's contract, coming off a couple of big years, thinking he's going to be a 30-40 goal guy, and if he doesn't score that, making $8 million, $9 million, you're like, that's ah, pretty tough to swallow, right? Yeah. Now, the fact that Bo's a center, like, Bo's going to be worth the contract. Like, if somebody gives him $7 million per season, if you look at how the contracts will age, he's going to be worth that. You know, like, he's going to give you the proper valuation for it. The question is, if he's scoring say 40 goals this season what does he demand does he does he ask does he ask for north of 8 million does he ask for 9 million it comes down to what 40 goals gets you 8 million it comes down to what Bo thinks he's worth yeah you know and right now clearly Vancouver and and Bo's camp are different and I can see Vancouver maybe moving a bit to get a deal done like they did with JT but it depends on what realm you're living in because I, I don't I can't see them now after committing 8 million per year to JT that they're going to give Bo more than 8 but, you know, Bo keeps this up, and the deal's not done by the deadline, and he has 30 goals by the deadline, for instance. I mean, it's going to be hard for the Canucks to convince Bo to sign a contract for less than that. Uh, fascinating <laughs> negotiation the Canucks have with their captain. We'll take some more of your texts as the hour goes on. Irfan Gaffar is going to join us as well. His take on what is next for the Canucks as uh, they continue to reshape this roster in season. Irfan Gaffar is next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canuck Central is also presented by Grip Auto Entire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Rager coming after us in the Dunbar Lumber text line. Saying it's a shame you guys don't like Bo. Huh. I thought we were being complimentary of Bo right now. No, and the point he's making is that... Uh, uh, now we're we're saying he's he's worth the money. I mean, hey, I've always said we've always said he's going to get a big contract. The question is, how willing are you to hand that out? And I've been reluctant to hand out multiple of those contracts and multiple players on this team without a lot of success over the years. And we were talking about you know potential partners and what other teams would be looking at. 
Um, and a lot of reaction here. 650, 650. Uh, this one says, Vancouver trades Bo to Winnipeg for Pure League Dubois. Thoughts? Why would Bo sign an extension in Winnipeg? That's yeah. my question. And why would they make that trade in Winnipeg unless they know Bo signing there? And that, that's my question, too. For a lot of you know people uh, making suggestions about teams that might be after him, you also have to think about what is his desire to stay at the team with the team that might be looking to make that trade. Let's bring in uh, our next guest. He is uh, Canucks insider at the fourth period and uh, Arizona Coyotes Stan. It is uh, Irfan Gaffar. What's happening? <laughs> What's going on, boys? How was Mullet Arena? Uh, <laughs> it, it, okay, so I think two ways you got to look at it. Yes, it's going to be an eyesore for the league and, and whatever, and it's probably a joke that the rooms aren't ready and all that kind of stuff. But if you've never been able to watch a hockey game or appreciate a hockey game from that level and, and, and that close, you go down there and, and you really can take take it in and just to see some of the, like, obviously the world's best athletes go out of there. So I think that that's the cool part. But like the other day, it was a Rangers home game. Like, and I think that that's what it's going to be for a lot of the big boy teams here moving forward. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's it's not going to be a great atmosphere, I think, for the Coyotes all the time. But no. for a visiting team sometimes, I mean, it's a great, maybe the novelty, but I think that's going to wear off in a hurry, right? But, I mean, I the student know. section I, I was, look- The student section was wild. They offered $20 tickets. It's right in Tempe. There's <laughs> a bunch of students that live there, obviously. So, like, kids, like people will go, but, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, look, they were up two nothing. They blew that game. Obviously, didn't help. But yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. I I think right now it is a, a it's it's a temporary permanent home for the next couple of years. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it, it it seemed fun, you know. Until uh, until they move to Houston or wherever. Yes, until the referendum goes against them, and uh, then yes. they'll finally finally move somewhere. Finally, uh, and the story will be over. But. Uh, it's, I think it's kind of cool. You know what, like when you mentioned like getting to see the players cl- up close, I think back to Abbotsford, right, the, yeah. the game in the preseason sat and getting to see Connor McDavid pull those moves on, on Quinn Hughes and just like the more intimate level, I think it it allows you to appreciate some of these players a little bit more if you uh, if you have the chance and the privilege to, to see them uh, from, that, from that vantage point. Uh, all right. So uh, what's what's Patrick Alvin up to next? Made a couple of trades last week. Uh, he's upgrade, looking to upgrade the building. Is, isn't that part of the plan here for the next 10 years? <laughs> change the seats? Change the seats. Well, is it going to be a change of seat for Bo Horvat next year? What? I don't know. I, I think that right now the way that they're they're looking at things is, you know, they, they like Rutherford mentioned, they, they still want to try and get something done with Horvat. Um, don't think it's close. I agree with what you said earlier, Sat. They're not going to go over $8 million. If he gets to 30 goals just before or right around the trade deadline, like what, what is his value? His value is going to be at an absolute high, right? He's on a 45-goal pace. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate thing, I mean, yeah, you look at all of the Horvath stats, and, and, he's, and he's been good. He's playing well. He's got four power play points of his eight, right? He's ridiculously good in the face-off circle. And he's playing, he's playing in his own end really well. And we, and we knew that about Bo Horvath, right? But is he a type of guy, is he a driving, playmaking centerman? And is he a guy that you're going to pay to be like that? And I think that that's the question that the Vancouver Canucks have right now. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it's like, like you, you, you look at their power play, you should be getting points with that power play, mm-hmm. right? So 
I think that that's the question that they have when, when they look at their long-term plan. They obviously have JT Miller. They know Elias Pedersen's there. So what is really next? And the question mark is both. Well, and the question, you're right. I mean, it comes down to how many different types of players do you have that you're investing in? You have a lot of guys that are good on the power play, but how many guys do you have that can provide the all-around game as well? And how much can you commit to all those players too? And do you have enough variety? And you start looking at the back end as well and how do you start addressing that? And my question even for a bow trade, and, you know, we were talking about potential um, candidates in, in the private uh, in the previous segment about which teams could be interested. And, yeah. you know, we heard what uh, Alvin said about Myrenberg. He's five years away. So I'm not sure how much draft picks are, let's say, prioritized, prioritized if you're moving, say, Bo, because that's an impact type of player. And, you know, I, you know, we mentioned would they be interested in a guy like Dumba, for instance, which doesn't excite anybody. But I just wonder what type of swap would they be looking to do? I think their preferences, a younger player that can come in and, and help them right away. But so far, no team's been willing to pony that up for one of their guys. No. And I think that that's the biggest thing is people were all you know, up in arms. Well, why can't they trade him? Why can't they trade him? Because no, one, no, one's, no one's making deals like that right now. Yeah. You know, and I heard you mention before, obviously, the Islanders and, and the Wild. And then, you know, the, the Leaf thing will never go away. But um, you just look at those players and look at, like, you know, a guy like uh, Ryan Pulak, right? Like, that's a lot of money going for the next until 20, until, what is he? He's under contract until 29.30 at yeah. 6.1. So, yes, it's good value. But are the Islanders willing to give up a guy like that? No, I think that that's, he's going to be part of the future there, too, as well as Noah Dobson and, and Alexander Romanov, right? Um, Adam Pellick's an interesting guy too, but he's making a lot of money as well, or five seven five. So we'll see. I, I think that for the Vancouver Canucks right now, it's okay. They've won two games. They put they're they're playing well um, right now in the short, and it's they're going to continue to try and work at something here to try and get something maybe done with Horvat. And I think the deadline probably has to be, you know, their their hard goal or or, or their hard you know deadline. Um, to see what they want to do. Because if you're going to sign them, you'll already have to do it by then, probably. And you don't want to go into a situation where the guy's got 25 or 30 goals at that point. You know what? Does he say no? Does Bo say no to a contract if they offer him seven years at 7.75? I don't think so. I think he says yes. And I mean, I could see that happening from Vancouver's point of view. Yeah, I can see slightly less than JT, and they're being giving him more than... Like, maybe well, we, they want to stay in seven, but I could see that number being something that's a compromise for both sides. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, it's fascinating when you look at the Canucks, like, like the numbers and, and their centermen, right? You got Elias Pettersson, who's making 7.35 next two years, and he's going to probably, if he goes wild next year, he's going to get nine, maybe ten, right? And then you have JT Miller, whose contract kicks in next season. It's eight million bucks a year forever, right? So that's two guys. That, that's a lot of money that's going to be going to centermen. That's where... You look at it and say, okay, Bo's the easy guy that's going to get moved because if it just doesn't make sense financially. And yes, obviously, but uh, is he a guy that, uh, how much do they value? And if they offer him that contract, I, I can't see a situation where he doesn't say no to that. Um, they're not going to offer him eight and the contract's going to have to start with a seven at somewhere, somewhere. I just think the hardest part of this whole thing for me, Earth, is like, this team is clearly still in need of more talent. They've already expended a lot of money to do it again with Bo. You know that it just really makes me wonder what the direction is of this franchise if they're essentially sticking with 
most of the same players that have been here through a lot of lean years. Yeah. Well, it was, right, it's, you got to make the playoffs. It's not an option to not do that. And, you know, no one thought that they were going to have the start that they did and then be as bad as they were. You know, they had three three more wins in there. We're, we're probably talking a, a little bit different, right? Um, so that's why when you look at the direction of the team, and I, I think from the moment that they signed JT Miller, that's where people had the question marks. I was like, okay, yeah. well, this guy's going to be turning 30 when the contract kicks in, and he's $8 bucks a year, and he's basically the guy. Well, they're still trying to get something done with Horvat. I mean, they're going to continue to work at it. Um, whether that gets done or doesn't, or whether they trade him, that obviously remains to be seen. But, um, you know, you, you have to look at this team and say, okay, well, let's just look at, uh, you know, our, this, the, the contract for the radio for the next 10 years and television rights. How many times are we going to be talking about this team in the next 10 years be making a deep playoff run with this current core group as constructed? They're going to obviously have to get a little bit different and add players and things like that. But you know what? There's, there's a few guys on this team that are, that are here for a very long time. And is Bo going to be one of those guys as well? So that's just the way that they see it. And you know what? It, it sucks because Bo's the captain of this team and he's going to be a good guy. The story will not go away um, until something gives. Well, and you know, the, the funny thing is, if they're looking to clear space, it's going to be hard to do in season. Like we, we, that's the thing we were talking about the previous segment. You go through the different teams, and everybody's going to take some money back one way or another. That's kind of the way it works. You get to the off season, though, maybe then you can explore the Oliver Bjorkstrand type of deals where you're moving a player like Besser maybe and taking some couple of mid-round picks, and you get off the entire money, for instance. That's harder to do with the contender during the season, for instance. So I do well, find and it interesting. And cap goes up next year, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I mean, until they start start shifting guys out it's hard to believe in that hey they're actually making these moves with a greater plan and maybe they sign Bo and all of a sudden it looks like again they're doubling down on the team but it might have to take until the offseason for them to be able to get rid of players or at least move salary the way they want to and I think those mixed messages or that assumed mixed message will be there if they do end up signing Bo soon yeah I agree I just think the plan has been so bad for so long that it's going to take so much time to repair. You're always yeah. playing catch up. Right. And I think that that's, I think that that's the biggest thing is, you know, you, you come into a situation, you look at all these contracts that you have. And if you're Rutherford and Alvin, okay. Yeah. They, they gave the, the JT one. Okay. Yes. Head scratcher for sure. But beyond that, you know, you have Oliver Ekman Larson here for a very, very long time. Right. You you've got a couple more years left of Tyler Myers at a lot of money. Um, Right. And then you've got the, the, the Tanner Pearson deal. Right. And he's got a modified no trace clause. So like there's all these things and all these these things in your way of going out and doing your business the way that you want to that you have to clean up someone else's mess. And, and that, that's been happening for a while. Yeah. And, and with the way this season has started, I mean, of course, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, how much has changed the mindset of the front office? When we spoke to Patrick Alvine, you know, he's he's never really says much <laughs> about what the plan is moving forward. Uh, he hasn't done that recently, didn't do it when he first started on the job, so we shouldn't expect it to start all of a sudden. But, you know, if it's pretty clear by, you know, December that you are not going to be a playoff team, I, I think that raises some interesting question marks going into the deadline, not just with Bo, but you know, with, with some other players uh, around this roster as well. Like, I I can't see this team being at the same spot or similar to where they were last year when they made the coaching and front office changes in December and not being like, 
and and having a having the same take of like let's just play it out and see what happens. A lot of people around the league, you know, talk about American Thanksgiving. It's 23 days from now. Yeah. That's where you kind of know if you're a team that's going to be competing for a playoff spot or a team that, you know, is going to find yourself out and you're in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes or whatever it is, or a, or a draft lottery team. You know, there's obviously the anomalies that are the St. Louis Blues and things like that, but you generally know. So that's, what, one, two, three and a half, three and a half weeks away. So what this Canucks team now is going to be, they've got a long road trip coming up against some pretty tough teams too, mm-hmm. right? So you look at this team and you say, okay, these next three weeks are going to be very telling on what the rest of the season is going to look like. And I think that that's, that's something that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin and, and their staff believe in as well. Well, I mean, they have three games remaining on this homestand, which are yeah. absolutely critical. And then the first two games on the road trip in Ottawa and in Montreal. These next five games... They pretty much have to win four out of five, right? Like yeah, Ottawa and Ottawa's not a slouch either anymore. No, exactly. You know? but, but that's the position they're in because later on the schedule gets even tougher, like you mentioned, with the road trip. And by the time you get to the American Thanksgiving level, if you don't bank some wins right now, you're going to be so far behind 500, the decision is going to be obvious for you at that point. But even with all that being said, like the question too is, what is a priority going to be here for this team? Because a lot of the trades that will be available for them are going to be the quote-unquote hockey trades where it's money in and money out. And as much as you know, they talk about how they're going to put it on the players and if they don't play better, they're going to make some moves and maybe put somebody on waivers or whatever – if you are making that type of a deal, you're still bringing money onto the book. So I wonder if that's a last resort or if that's something they're really looking to do here with some of their guys. Well, it's funny you mentioned the word priority because in the summer, clearly their captain wasn't a priority right. to get him done. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. So yeah. you, you, you look at that and you say, okay, well clearly there's something definitely there. Now, if a deal gets done, a deal gets done, but their priority was very different. They got JT done and that's the direction that they decided to go. So now it's at the point where, yeah, I agree with you, Sad, around Christmas time or, or you know, in, in December, if, if they're out of it, what are they going to do to try and, you know, get some money off the books? And, and are other teams going to be interested in, in the players that they have, right? Um, guys like Tyler Myers and, and, you know, maybe guys like Connor Garland or, or Tanner Pearson or really anybody on this roster, to be completely honest, except for a couple. But uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting time. Like, like that's what we talk about, right? These next three, three and a bit weeks. Um, are going to be really telling for what this team is going to be, you know, in the future of the season and and maybe even further. You know, one thing that does help is getting uh, getting Quinn Hughes back. It, yeah, it hasn't felt like he's been at a hundred percent from day one of the season, right? He had that weird flu uh, in training camp, breaks his nose in in game one. Uh, I I wonder how much uh, more of the Quinn Hughes we expected we, we see now that he's coming back from injury. And, and to add to yeah. that, he also seems to have been dealing with something else to injury-wise towards the end of preseason heading into the season, too, it seems. Yeah. I, I Look, I, it's unfortunate for Quinn because we always talk about him being this, this ridiculously awesome talent on the ice, but it's, his, it's him not being able to stay healthy right now. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of been a little bit of a thing where, you know, he's, he's been sick a couple of times and he's, and he's gotten hurt. He gets all, he picks up some weird injuries. So, you know, when he's on the ice, he's by far one of their best players, by far one of the better defensemen in the National Hockey League, especially offensively. The kid's so gifted. He sees the ice so well. He can skate. He can outskate almost anyone one-on-one with the puck. Um, and he's, he's going to be one of, the, one of the future pillars of this team. But it's the other stuff that we seemingly always are talking about with him, you know, not being able to stay healthy. So... Good for him if he's if he's back in the lineup or when he gets back in. 
um, it's obviously a positive because, you know, when you get a player of that caliber back into the lineup, it obviously does help. We're excited to see Ethan Bear tonight. You know, if he can if he can get back into that area where he was pretty good with the Edmonton Oilers, you know, he... he if he, he can if be he can that guy, him, like, that deal's yeah. an absolute steal. If he can me. make an impact and be a guy, I mean, he's already probably the Canucks' third best defenseman right now, and he hasn't <laughs> played yet, but... I think that when you look at it, if he can get out of get out of the zone, play that physical game, and, and, and be that Edmonton guy, I think the Canucks definitely, like you mentioned, Reach, definitely a steal. Well, I, I do wonder about the defense, Sat, too, because you know now you have Rathbone uh, on the outside looking in again. Um, he, even though he's, by my estimation, played pretty well. You know, Tucker Pullman. We heard Patrick Alvine say last week that you know they, they expect to see him back. You know, at some point this season, and it could be when his LTIR is up. There's a bit of a log jam there now. Uh, if at any point all of these guys are healthy, yeah, and that, I mean that's a good problem to have if you're the Canucks because someone else is, you know, you don't want to say it, but someone's going to get hurt at some point again. It's yeah. just the way that the Canucks luck is, right? Especially, especially For on the sure. back end. But yeah, I, I know you mentioned you don't like seeing Jack Rathbone. I'll probably deserve to be him. You got to give Ethan Bear a shot, right? Just to well, see even what he's Burroughs got. out. Like Burroughs is, yeah. <laughs> he's been one of their better defensemen. From uh, from for all these all these games this season. No, I definitely agree with you. Uh, look, I, I think that it's obviously a coach's decision, you know, yeah. to to put guys out there in order to win a hockey game, and you know that's that's the decision that Bruce Boudreau and his staff is making. So, you know, the general manager or whoever it is at the end of it, it's up to Bruce to, to put these guys on the ice, and it it sucks because I agree, like Burroughs and Rathbone probably deserve to be in the lineup, but you know, by process of elimination, and according to Bruce, one of them's going to sit. And I you know I think on Stillman too. He's a the guy they acquired. He's a the guy that they view has value as an asset potentially. So I don't think he's a the guy they want a healthy scratch. And obviously they value his toughness. So I think that plays a part into it because I wouldn't be surprised if they explore flipping him at some point, especially with the lumbers and the logjam we talk about on the back end when they get healthy. But here's a big thing: they traded for Burroughs. They traded. I mean, they uh, they traded for Stillman. They traded for Ethan Bear. They've now traded for Stadnika. Last year they traded for Dermot. Now we're starting to see some of these players they've traded for that are kind of that tweener age or the guys who haven't shown they can play every day and stuff like that. This is our chance now to evaluate whether they can find a gem or two. And the reality is, the hope is you maybe hit on one of these guys. Yeah. You know, not even two or three of them. Obviously, if you hit on two or three, I mean, that's massive. But can one of these players they've, they've acquired now in these two years, can one of them become an impact player? I think that's what I'm really interested in finding out over the next, you know, however many months here. Yeah, exactly. And if, to be completely honest, if you're just going to sit Jack Rathbone, you, you might as well just play him in Abbotsford, right? Like, like the kid's got to play. Yeah, but I don't and know how. I, you, and I know yeah, they want to care. I'm not sure how that fits with this camp either, though. You know. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, they, I I know that you want to keep the I know that you want to keep the the extra defenseman and things like that. But at some point, you gotta you gotta give the kids some games. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one for Rathbone. So uh, Seahawks are winning the NFC West, hey? Huh? Of course we are, Gino baby. <laughs> you remember before the season started yeah. how sad I was about my team? I remember after week one, you were like, okay, just lose the next 16. Everything's fine. <laughs> well, week one was Super Bowl. And now you wonder, you know what? I'm just, you know, just, we'll just, let's just keep playing. Uh, you beat, okay, so you, 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 you win this weekend, and then you, you do, the, do the Germany thing against Tom Brady. That one's kind of a wash. You know, yeah. if you get into the bye week with a couple more wins here, we're cooking. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, let Gino cook. 
the second half of the year is going to be really interesting. Oh, <laughs> like, course. you know, are the Seahawks really? Because right now, I find the NFL fascinating. There's so many teams yeah. that have great records that nobody expected. The Seahawks being one. The Giants, of course, too. Okay, the, Vikings. But the Seahawks are like, you know, legitimately good. Yeah, I mean, at least. okay, are legitimately yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know who? I, lo- you know I who love how Dan is such a homer. They're legitimately good. Well, they're not the Giants. Come on, but, I mean, they, they the just proved that they were way better than the, the Giants. Giants. Have more wins than the Seahawks do. Like, what are we Giants talking about? Two, bro. That's what I'm saying. They have more wins than the Seahawks. But how many of these teams are going to have a winning record by the time we get to week 14, 15? Because I think it's going to flip for a few of them. Oh, 100%. And that's also funny. You know, we talk about draft picks and obviously poking fun a little bit. You know who hits on draft picks? John Schneider. <laughs> this year, that 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 class. I mean, they, they haven't had this good of a class maybe since, like, you know, going back to the Sherm one. But, Sherman uh, Wilson. Yeah. Sherman uh, Wilson, and I'm pretty sure it was Baldwin, too. Well, yeah. just look at their season. There was a thought that maybe they trade Geno at the deadline, that he plays well enough that maybe they can trade him and get something for him at the deadline and they'll get a high pick. Now, instead, they held on to him. They're a team that's trying to win the division. I mean, you talk about what your <laughs> mindset was hitting into the season versus what you have now. Now, it's it's quite the difference. I heard the Broncos were interested in Geno Smith today. Were they? Didn't, didn't get a deal done. Irv, <laughs> uh, you're the best. Thanks for this. Oh, hate the Broncos. All right, bye. See ya. <laughs> uh, all right, there is Irv uh, Gafar. Uh, the fourth period, Canucks Insider joins us every Tuesday here on uh, on Canucks Central. Yeah, man, I'm excited to see. Like, you know, we talk about this front office, right? Yeah. And we talk about the moves that they have to make, and I think one of the things that we are still trying to get an idea of how good is their eye for these players that they're bringing in. You know, like, yeah. what separates a good front offices are the ones that make these trades and hit on a couple of them. You know, the Canucks, unfortunately, under the previous regime, were unable to hit on those types of trades significantly. Yep. You know, you can talk about, hey, maybe they won some of those trades because this guy played in the NHL versus the guy who didn't play in the NHL or whatever, but that's a low bar. We're talking about impact. Yeah. That's how this team's going to take that step is these guys pull a rabbit out of a hat somewhere. It's... uh. The fascinating thing about, like, well, think of it from uh, from Vegas and Seattle, right? Two expansion teams, and one has this, like, unprecedented run of, like, finding these gems of players. Carlson, Smith, Marchessault, and, and hey, some of them, you know, we kind of knew they were pretty good players, and they just happened to get let go by their respective teams. And then Seattle happens, and, and who did they find, right? Yeah. Maybe just McCann. Out of out of all the guys, Yanni Gord, but we knew Gord was a was a good player. Um, it's it's a very stark contrast. It's hard to find these players, but yet you know it's not like the Canucks haven't tried. Dermott's just been hurt, hasn't played a game this year. Bear is the newest one to come in. Stillman, clearly, they keep playing him. They think he's he's more than just a throw in and a make weight in the deal to to help the the numbers work. They view him as an asset. Yeah, so. You know, there, there's a couple of guys here that that they're hoping one of them one of them turns out when they need it. You know, and Ethan Bear, from a skill standpoint, is the most tantalizing one on yes. the back end. Uh, I'm really excited to watch Bear tonight. We'll get more into the game. Uh, also, the Canucks valued at a uh, billion dollars, which is nice. I think is a billion worth the same that it was. I don't know. I, I feel like we we talk about a billion nowadays. And hey, I, I, I mean, who amongst <laughs> us? But the point being, you know. A billion? Does it resonate the same way it resonated, yeah. say, 10 years ago? It well, seems like everything's worth a billion now. Yes. it's. Uh, remember the first Austin Powers movie when Dr. <laughs> yes. Evil's like, one million dollars. Yeah. Like, 
Actually, a million's like nothing now, no. Dr. Evil. <laughs> and now it's like it's always like a billion is nothing. <laughs> is, is a billion really? One yeah. trillion dollars. Uh, all right. Uh, more coming up on the Vancouver Canucks. It is Canucks Central on Sportsnet 650.